Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into Pastor John's sermons from the Sunday before. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and today we're talking about Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 12, with the title of the message, too great in my opinion, but title of the message, surprise, he is not here. And joined with me as always is Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, everyone. I don't know, that title just, it's one of the best titles, I think. (laughs) It's perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, make sure you listen to the whole episode, as always, to find out what's stupid today in our That Stupid segment. Let's get this episode started. So as you prepared, what are some things that came to mind? Well, obviously, the biggest challenge for any Bible preaching pastor is how do we preach the resurrection narrative in a fresh and compelling way so people will hear it? Because it's probably the one story everybody's heard over and over and over, especially on Resurrection Sunday. Right. So that was a, a big challenge. And, of course, coming up with a compelling title and moving through the text. And fortunately for me, I'd been, I have been, will continue preaching through Luke, so it seemed natural. I didn't have to struggle with which account do I arrive at, mm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I was already in Luke. <laughs> so there's a lot more to it. I won't bore the listeners with it all, but that those are some of the first things, you know, and that's a dilemma. Christmas and Easter, how do we as preachers package the, the message that everyone's heard over and over and over and it still grip our hearts and renew our minds, so to speak. So, so that's that's a little bit of... Inside, it was exhausting. I, I would, I've, ne- I have not been this tired hmm. in many weeks um, leading up to a Sunday. But I think we all were because we gave it a heroic effort to be ready and yeah. to be well prepared and have services that were very well planned and meaningful and and, and it was. I mean. Including yourself, everything that was done to put the service together was very, I think, God glorifying, and Absolutely. to Him be all the glory. So there's a lot. There was a lot going on leading up to Sunday. I'm, I'm, actually, it's just almost a relief mm. to have that particular Sunday behind us, even though it was a wonderful Lord's Day. And man, I wish right. every Sunday was like that. But the sheer volume of preparation that that went into this past Sunday, it's kind of on the enormous scale. Right. So there's a lot, a lot. Well, I appreciate all your preparation Thanks. that went into it. And yeah, I know it wasn't just me as well. But, you know, but well, thank you. Well, on the sermon part is... Well, That's just me. You and the Spirit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yes, yeah. it is just you. And I appreciate that you take the work into that and because how easy is it just to copy a sermon we've done before? And, oh, sure. Um, so That's I appreciate that you always take the time and, I guess, diligence to make it afresh and, Thank you. and new. So not that you can really – now we're getting <laughs> to metal in here, but not that you can really make anything fresh because it's the 
the word of God. It Not is fresh right. always, but yeah. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Well, the challenge sense. to put it out there, I mean, it's still one thing to read the text, but you still have right. to exactly. you know, craft it in such a way that you are faithful to the text. Absolutely. Which is of paramount importance to me, and then put it in a, a packaging where people will want to hear it. Well, and we've talked about this before, but I, that's something I always appreciate, and I probably get to see more than others, but is that you wanted to be faithful to Luke's account mm-hmm. and not just take from others' accounts, mm-hmm. which that's probably a whole beast in itself that we don't even it realize. It is, because there's other things you want to bring in from other Gospels to round out the panoramic view of the resurrection and even the crucifixion and other events in Christ's life, but I really have labored to stay, stay true to Luke. Yeah. He owes me one, by the yeah, way. He, yeah. Can't wait for that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you've already said, it was a marvelous day um, on Sunday, and it really was a great day. And you talked about how the resurrection is the greatest event in human history. And you said this, quote, on Sunday, the physical, literal, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the linchpin, the cornerstone, the foundation, the hinge point of the Christian faith. Yes. And Sunday, you guided us through these three ideas that scripture brings forth from this passage. And the first was, what did they find? And we see this in verse two and three, and you tell us they found the stone rolled away and that the body of Jesus was not there. You tell us to imagine how these ladies felt as they were going to the tomb and the surprise that awaited them. And I am sure that there were many emotions that were going through their minds and that they were feeling. Um, we see that Mary was going to do what they customarily did and put spices on the dead body of this instance of Jesus, but was surprised when she got there. So my question is, what does the surprise of Mary and really all those involved tell us about the resurrection? Obviously, it wasn't what they expected. And I labored on that. Yes. That they were concerned with a lot of logistics how are we going to roll that stone away from the entrance of the tomb we have no men mm. and some commentators as i stated in the message sunday believed that the stone was could have weighed as much as two tons that's four thousand pounds mm. i'm sorry <laughs> i don't see how a handful of ladies i don't see how a handful of men could have moved that mm. so obviously there was some you know, leverage and torque and technique and all those kinds of things that they're in their minds like, we just want to go anoint the body with the spices and the oils and make sure that the tomb itself doesn't stink. And when they got there, that stone was rolled away and the body was gone. So they found the stone rolled away, but they did not find the body of Jesus. And to me, it's God's ultimate surprise. Yeah. And it's interesting that Jesus even told them this was going to happen, that he would rise again. And it just, in that moment, and I think a lot of it was they were overwhelmed by their own shock, their own disbelief, their own fear and concerns, and watching him die in such a brutal way and truly being innocent, him being the Son of God, the Anointed One, the Promised One of God. So I I, I think... It just smacks to me of this is not at all what they expected. Hmm. And so, you know, we had the benefit, obviously, of being 21st century readers of the Bible. So 
doesn't rock our world as much. Right. And I, I think that's why on the front end of the message, there was an effort to labor like, man, this is really, really important. You can't dismiss the resurrection because it's, it's everything. Even, even if Christ had only died and not been raised back to life, there's no redemption. There's right. no salvation. There's no justification before God and being reconciled to him through Christ. It, it, it's just a terrible, tragic, awful story. Yeah. And so the resurrection really is the hinge point of the entire Christian faith. Our faith is useless, pointless. Preaching is pointless. Um, and worse, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about how we are still condemned in our sins. So the resurrection is, to put it in modern vernacular, man, it's the ball game. Yeah. And you made this point on Sunday, too. Or you, you hinted at it, talked about how this reveals the power of God. And one of the things, and I know this is kind of conjecture, but something I thought about as I was preparing for this is that it could have been Jesus easily, God could have easily just left the tomb without moving anything. But for whatever reason, the stone was rolled away to reveal, and I think, again, this conjecture, but to reveal, again, just the power that it took. And so for me, I'm, I'm saying that to say I just appreciated how you even said on Sunday that, and even you've said this in the past sermons coming up to this point of, all of this was to reveal, mm-hmm. you know, God's power and who He is, the sovereignty of God. You even hit that on Sunday. And, yeah, in Romans um, one four, I mentioned that in the sermon, mm-hmm. that this is the this this is the great declaration of God that Jesus right. is who He said He is and was, and the resurrection is Exhibit A and the most significant proof of Christ's sonship. Yeah. So it's interesting you mention that because, you know, to me the greater miracle is not how the stone got rolled away, but how does a dead body live? Right. I mean, you get enough men and the right kind of leverage and technique, we could move a big, sure. four, you know, 4,000-pound stone. But I don't care how many men you have, you're not going to bring a dead body back to life unless you're a god. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So it really is an amazing text of scripture that declares the greatness of God. You're absolutely yeah. right. Which I think it only adds to it as we go into verse five and you, we talked about the angels pose this logical question, which was um, the angels ask, why are you seeking the living among the dead? <laughs> and you make the point that tombs are for dead people and that Jesus is alive. And for me, I was, I think laughing in my head when you know, they have to ask this question because the humans are asking this, you know, thinking mm-hmm. illogically, at, you know, in, in a way. And so we as the readers kind of re- read them like, well, that was mm-hmm. duh, mm-hmm. but put ourselves in their shoes a little bit of, you know, and you said that we see from Scripture that they reported all that they had seen to the disciples. Hearts were heavy, but then this quote-unquote fog that you talked about mm-hmm. in your sermon was lifted. And you gave us this illustration about the war and how fog was lifted and one message was hurt was seen because of the fog but once the fog lifted mm-hmm. the real message was there and you use that in an illustration that it's the same as that people thought at first with his death that Christ was defeated 
but they missed the picture that Christ defeated sin mm -hmm. once the fog had mm -hmm. had kind of risen. And I know I butchered <laughs> that illustration <laughs> of how you did it, but the point was is that he lives right. and that he is alive. And it's easy for us, as we've already stated, that, you know, for readers to see the resurrection from this kind of perspective. But I think often we forget that the disciples were living it in that moment. Mm. And that Mary lived his death and they lived the reality of watching him die. And now they go into this reality of, wait, where is he? Mm. And so my question is, why do you think it's hard for Mary and the disciples to see at first that he had resurrected? That's a great question. I think maybe two things are at play. One is there's a it's it's God's doing. I think mm. at that point God hadn't chosen to remove the scales from their eyes so they could see more clearly. Oh, that's what he was talking about. And then the other thing too is just their expectation. Dead mm. men don't live. So well, what about Lazarus? You know, think about Lazarus. He died again. Mm. But Jesus died and rose back to life and is still living. Yeah. Um, but I, I think ultimately it boils down to it just hadn't been revealed to them just yet that God had not chosen to allow them to see it just yet. I, I think that could possibly be what's at play here. I don't think they were by any means foolish or ignorant or dumb, right. but I think they were being like what we would be, just devastated, heartbroken, discouraged, and they got there in the stone was rolled away and he's not there and they're like what is going on and then the angels say why are you looking for the living one among the dead he's not here he's risen surprise <laughs> and so what what gets me is they go back and tell the the apostles as they're referred to or disciples the 11 and they were like whatever y'all are just you crazy ladies, you know, you're oh. talking a bunch of nonsense. So I'm kind of disappointed with their response, but I kind of get it too. Yeah. I can't be too hard on them because I probably would have been the same way. But there's part of me that's like, why would you not believe that? Those ladies weren't going to make that up. <laughs> no way. But Luke redeems the situation by having Luke, uh, pardon me, Peter, take off to the tomb uh, to stoop inside and he saw the cloth there and and then he went home marveling at what had happened so you know there's a lot going on i, I think they reacted like we would right. but i mainly i i don't see that god unveiled that to them just yet which i'm excited to get to those uh those <laughs> scriptures well, you're gonna have to wait. i know because i gotta go back to 19 <laughs> Uh, it's going to be weird, uh, a weird experience for all of us to now do this retrospective. <laughs> Very interesting technique. It if it works, I may write a book about it. You should. Might as well. Yeah, might sell. Who else does that kind of stuff? <laughs> Who else is foolish enough to do that? <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be good, that's for sure. Um, and then we go into the verse 9 and 10 where you asked the question, how did they respond to what they had seen and heard? And you tell us that the woman went and told the apostles, as we just said, and Thomas would not believe until he put his fingers where the nails were. Peter and John ran to the tomb. And you make the, t the point that these men 
were not ready to believe that they what they had already been told, mm. which is again as we just talked about, mm-hmm. it's mind blowing to us. Mm-hmm. But in that is, it's interesting that these men and women marveled, mm-hmm. as they should have, mm-hmm. at Jesus's resurrection. It changed their lives forever. And so for us, as maybe we're seeing it in a different, not different perspective, not saying a different perspective and that we're wrong, but Mm -hmm. just because we're not in the moment, we weren't there at the Mm -hmm. death and resurrection. But how should we see the resurrection? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if this is the answer you're fishing for, but I think we should see it as the greatest event in history. And that it really is everything that we declare it to be, and, and by that I mean we declare what Scripture declares, and it, it is everything. It all led up to his crucifixion and resurrection, yeah. and those are the two, as I stated in the sermon Sunday, the watershed moments of God's redemptive history. Uh, everything he did from Genesis to Revelation was about Christ's death and resurrection. Yeah. He had to die. It was ordained of God planned out by God, masterfully orchestrated, executed. Jesus died on the cross. Three days later, God raised him back to life in his power. It's amazing. It's everything. Yeah. It, it, I don't understand why every Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church wasn't full to overflowing with standing room only, bring in chairs. Yeah. It's the biggest thing ever. Name something that even equals it. So there good. isn't anything. Christ being raised from the dead, the Son of God giving his life for sinners. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Are you kidding me? It's everything. The resurrection is, is a big deal. Yeah. You know, so we are a right to celebrate it, and we are right to hold it sacred, and we are right not to profane the resurrection with all these dopey secular stuff that gets intermingled with it, it drives me crazy. It, it, is, it is everything. And we shouldn't ever, in my view, water this down. Mm-hmm. And we are right to come together and do our best singing, best preaching, best yeah. praying, best, you know, we give it everything we have, a gold medal effort to honor God and praise and Give glory to him for what he's done for us through Christ. And it the, the, to me, the resurrection is the exclamation point. It is finished. Yeah. And we should celebrate. And I, I'm certain, I would like to believe that what happened here on the Lord's Day was pleasing to him. And it would be heartbreaking for any of us if, if, what we did as a church wasn't pleasing to him. That was Amen. a monster concern of mine is that, oh, God, please let this be a pleasing mm. moment of worship where you are rightly celebrated and glorified. And, you know, it just, I, I don't ever, I don't think we should make a mockery of the resurrection. Yeah. And some of what we do, not we personally, you know, some of what I see that's done just drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. You have any idea what you're doing? <laughs> right. Well, leave all that stuff out of it. Yeah. So we don't convolute it. You know, we give them truth, and the truth is Jesus lives, and that matters. 
Yeah, something I really appreciated that you kind of emphasized for this Sunday, even Sundays before, and you mentioned it in your sermon this Sunday too, but is that you've already said it even on this podcast that this was the greatest Sunday. But one of the things that you kept honing in on is that if Christ came off that cross, if the resurrection didn't happen, if all these things and everything we're doing doesn't matter. And what I love that you emphasized in this part, in particular in the third part, is that this, these people's lives that were involved, their disciples, the apostles, as you mentioned them, and as, as the scripture mentions them, and the Mary and the women, is that their lives changed in this moment forever. Mm-hmm. That they, they weren't the same. Mm-hmm. I'm sure their emotions were different. I'm sure their, I think their realities probably came into aspect at some point as we will get later on, you know, in these future verses of their realities became, oh my gosh, what he said was true. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the reason why I'm even bringing this up, to me, everything that you said, even from bringing, you know, from we went from the crucifixion to the resurrection, is it just came into play how us now, our lives should be changed because of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And that's why our lives can be changed. Yes. And one of the things I love that we did from Sunday's um, uh, service was these stories of people who their life before Jesus and their life after yes. of how powerful it is that we, me and you, but the church as a whole get to live this because of that resurrection, that our lives yeah. are completely different because of the resurrection. Yeah, that's really, that's very good. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, yeah, the, the testimonials that we had mm-hmm. pre-recorded were powerful yeah. and they were all a direct result in clearly correlated with one's commitment to Jesus and the transformation that Jesus brings to our lives, even in our hurts and disappointments and things we don't think, they don't work out exactly like we thought they would. And God has obviously different plans than our own. And what, you know, I love that, well, there was a real accent Throughout the entire service, if you haven't seen it, uh, that there was a big time accent mark on the difference Jesus makes in our lives, and He only makes that difference if He's resurrected. If He's still dead, mm-hmm. big deal. You know, it sounds crass to say it, but right. the resurrection is huge. I mean, it's everything. Yeah. I mean, it's fourth and one at the goal line. <laughs> with exactly no more right. time left, and and Christ is raised from the dead, and the veil, you know, every at the crucifixion, the veil torn in two, the earthquake, the darkness, all the brutality of the resur- of the of the crucifixion, the forsakenness of of Christ from God, it man, the resurrection is just it's everything. So. It was a big Sunday. It was a big Sunday. Yeah. And I don't know how anyone could not leave that Sunday, whether you've been a Christian for 80 years or whatever, without marveling at, no matter how much you've heard of it. It just, the emphasis of, again, how powerful our God is. Yeah. And the resurrection was the linchpin, as you put it, of it all. Um, just makes you want to live how God has called us to live, yeah. for sure. Hopefully. Or should. Yeah. yeah. We are the resurrection people. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Good. Well, as we close, some final thoughts, last words. Hey, I hope everybody will be here this coming Sunday. We pick up 
back to Luke 19, <laughs> where ironically, Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. I, I, I'm really interested to see how this, how this goes over. It is God's word, so I know it will be fine because hmm. it just get out of the way of the Bible. And, you know, you're just the mouthpiece for the text. So I know the preached word of God will not come back empty and void. But it will be interesting now to see that we've been through all that. And now we go back kind of like in a dream, you know, like a dream effect. We go back. You know how they see, you see that in movies? Yes. Like, here's how we got to this. And they go back. And you see. So here Jesus is coming into Jerusalem on the donkey colt. So don't miss that. That that would be my final thought. And then really, if for some reason you had to miss the service and there was one service we would want you to watch, it would be this one. That's good. For sure. That's Go my back and watch thought. it. Yeah. It, it's not time wasted, believe me. Well, now for that are that stupid segment. So as always, John, what's stupid? Well, we're gonna wade back into the uh, Merc of <laughs> politics. Oh. So I read this headline, and it's public knowledge, so it's in the public domain. Here's the headline. President Biden said Monday that he plans on running for re-election in 2024, but he is, and I quote, not prepared to announce it yet, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> Sounds to me like an announcement. <laughs> It's like the guy that says, we're going to get married, but we're going to live together first. <laughs> What's wrong with people? I oh, mean, no. how stupid do you think we are when, when he stupid. says, yeah, I'm kind of leaning in that way, but not ready to announce it. Wink, wink. <laughs> it's like Friends, that's stupid to me. That is stupid. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you have some big news, so you got to tell somebody, like, hey, I just want you to know yeah, it's coming. He's acting like it's something that we're going to be surprised I about. can't tell you yet, but I'm buying a new car. <laughs> but I can't tell you that. I won't <laughs> tell you what it looks like yet. <laughs> I think what he meant to say was, <laughs> Jill hasn't told me I can't say it yet. Uh, that's that's probably true. We all live in that realm. <laughs> anyway, well, you, you can't make this stuff up. No, you can't. It doesn't matter what side you're on. <laughs> it that's stupid. It doesn't matter if you're Republican, <laughs> Democrat, or Independent. You have to look at that. There's only one way to look at it. Cody, what is that? <laughs> that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> so if that upsets you, it's... Uh, Jerry M at <laughs> FieldStreet.com. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And to end the session, remember, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Have a great week. Thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at FieldStreet.com. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>